Good morning. Surprise. Not only to you, but to me. I received a phone call this morning about 20 minutes to 10. laryngitis. I could tell that Keith had bad laryngitis, so here I am. We have several announcements this morning, but I'd like to thank you all for being with us to share in this time of worship. The Lord does work in wondrous ways, so together the Lord and I and all of you We'll be through, get through this service, and we will have worship this morning. Now, I haven't even had time, if you can imagine, to look through these announcements. You have probably been looking at them. Is that correct, Craig? Super Bowl Sunday is next week, the S-O-U-P-E-R, as well as the S-U-P-E-R. But... The eating kind of Super Bowl is going to follow church next Sunday, so if you'll read about that. There's a study going on on Tuesdays, the Mayberry Bible Study. I was able to attend this past Tuesday, and it was interesting, it was a lot of fun, and it was thought-provoking. So if you would like to join us, we're down in the Ministry Center at noon on Tuesday. Notice the announcement about the Reed Robin Sunday School class. The Christian conversation regarding the protocol of grace and reconciliation through separation at a listening post information session to be held on Sunday, February 9th, that's two weeks from today, at First Church down in our fellowship hall. And then Reed, reach out and read. That's a very wonderful program that Stacy Humphreys has been working with, so read that announcement. And for other things that may or may not be in the bulletin, read your bulletin carefully, please. At this time, we will listen to our prelude.
Let us stand and join in our call to worship. To those who sit in darkness, light has dawned. God is indeed our light and our salvation. Let us worship our God of light and promise. to you in a time of coldness and darkness, looking for warmth and light. We pray there will be no more gloom for those who were in anguish. We pray you lift people's burdens. We pray you remove the things that oppress from people's lives. We pray you give courage to those who fear. Lord, your light calls us forth to follow and serve you. Your light still shines for all to see in this world. May we continue to reflect your light in our lives, in our service, in our words, and in our deeds. Amen.
thank you so much. I neglected to say earlier, but I really think this is the appropriate time to thank Mary Ann for that wonderful song that each of us needed to hear this morning. And thank you so much, Becky, for sharing your talents with us this morning. It's nice to walk in and it feels almost like old home week here. I'm sorry, children, there's no message today. But then again, I'm not sure there are any children. But I just did not have the time to go prepare a message. So you, you get, I think you'll enjoy a part of this sermon. I really do. You'll, you'll hear sort of a message in there along with this. So let's bow our heads for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, as we go through this morning, as we listen to your scripture and hear your words, may our hearts be open to hear what those words mean for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Old Testament lesson for today is Psalm 27, and I'll be reading from the King James Version. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall my enemy shall, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou sayest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me the way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Here ends the Old Testament reading, the word of God for the people of God. The gospel lesson is from the fourth chapter of Matthew, verses 12 through 23. And this is from the Revised Standard Version. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, 
And leaving Nazareth, he went and dwelt at Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali toward the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every infirmity among the people. Here ends the reading of the gospel. The word of God for the people of God. As we were driving to the church and the phone had rung and I had answered the call to, that Keith had made, I thought, all right, Lord, we have to work together here. By the time I got to the church, I knew which sermon I was going to go and pull out, which is something I don't think I've ever done before. I went home, let Winston got out, I went home, found the sermon, grabbed my robe, grabbed, grabbed my high heel shoes, which I forgot to put on before I came to the pulpit. Um, and then, having sat at the kitchen table for about 10 minutes and going through this sermon as quickly as I could, thought, Lord, together, together. I'm going to back up just a little bit because this sermon was originally preached on the baptism of Jesus. But I think it also speaks to the text today. So, in the gospel lesson that normally would have gone with this message, Jesus had come to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. And as we heard a couple of weeks ago, when John saw Jesus, he immediately recognized him, although they had never met. Now, if thinking back, when Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. What happened with Elizabeth the minute they saw Mary? The babe that she was carrying leapt for joy within her womb. That baby in the womb had recognized that the Savior was coming, resting in the womb of Mary. And now, although they've never met, John the Baptist knows immediately that this was Jesus of Nazareth. John protested 
Jesus should baptize him. But Jesus insisted that he, the sinless one, should be baptized by John. Jesus knew he had to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. John's mission was to identify Jesus for the people. And after receiving the baptism, Jesus prayed. And as he prayed, remember, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and rested on Jesus, who at that moment was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 8, we hear that when the Jerusalem apostles heard about the Samaritans accepting Jesus, Peter and John were sent to Samaria to baptize the new believers in the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we receive the Holy Spirit at our baptism. A number of years ago, in Belfast, Ireland, a young man and his brother were avid readers. Clive Lewis loved to read. He and his brother not only loved to read, but they had vivid imaginations. They made up an imaginary land that they called Boxen. And with their imaginations, they made up stories about this land filled with gallantry and fantastic animals. Did any of you make up things when you were growing up? I had three imaginary friends, Rachel, Sandra, and Margie. And Rachel, Sandra, and Margie went with me in the house. They didn't go other places. But if my dad had a wedding at the parsonage, now we lived in a county seat town, so people came to be married there, and some he married, and some he said, I'm sorry, but I can't perform that ceremony. But if he performed a ceremony in our living room, Rachel, Sandra, and Margie had to be seated along with me before the wedding could proceed. But these young boys filled countless hours with their imaginary animals. Later in life, Clive became professor of medieval and Renaissance literature at Cambridge University. And there he became the author of well-known Christian books. We know this man as C.S. Lewis. Several years ago, as an adult, having never read these books as a child, I read one of his most famous volumes, The Chronicles of Narnia. It's actually seven books in one. It's sort of like a series, you know, to be continued. My least favorite words after watching a TV show, to be continued. In book five, which is entitled The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, there's a story called The Adventures of Eustace. But as I had started reading, and as I read through each chronicle, really not knowing much about it, except everybody talked about how wonderful it was, I realized that this whole thing is filled with allegory. Now, if you don't remember from your English classes what an allegory is, 
It's a story that can be read on one level, or it can be read presuming that many of the characters or incidents can be read as being symbols of something else. So you can read it as a child and thoroughly enjoy the adventures. You can read it as you grow older and understand that C.S. Lewis was talking about more than just a childhood adventure. As I read the story of Eustace, I knew it was filled with symbolism. There's a marvelous lion named Aslam. Aslam is a wonderful creature who helps to save people in the kingdom of Narnia. And the more I read about Aslan, the more I realized that this lion is a Christ figure. He's a Christ figure for this story and for all of the characters in it. So while children can enjoy this story on one level, as an imaginary adventure, older children and adults can understand this story on another level. C.S. Lewis himself said, now this is what he said, I did not say to myself, let us represent Jesus as he really is in our world by a lion in Narnia. I did say, let us suppose that there were a land like Narnia and that the Son of God, as he became a man in our world, became a lion there. And then imagine what would happen. Well, Eustace and some companions were on the dawn treader and it had wrecked. They were stranded. There was no way that they could get away from the island on which they had landed. Are we ever stranded on a desert island with no people around, nothing to do, nothing to eat, nothing to entertain us, the quiet, of fear. What's going to happen? The night my wheel came off the car, I was surrounded by darkness, literally. and a certain amount of fear. But I knew God was with me. Since I didn't turn the car over as the wheel came off, God had to have an angel's hands on that wheel. Well, Eustace wandered away from his companions and I'm sure they were delighted in one way. It became dark, and Eustace lost his way. He had no idea where the others were, and it began to rain. And it rained, and it rained harder, and Eustace looked all around, and he found a cave and he took shelter in that cave, and he discovered that that cave was covered in jewels, magnificent jewels. Now, I hate to tell you this, but Eustace was a spoiled brat. There's no other way to describe him. He wanted his way, and he wanted it now. And if you don't give it to me now, I'm going to do such and such. He was argumentative. He was rude. He was a brat. 
He filled his pockets with as many jewels as he could cram inside. I'm going to be even richer. Isn't it wonderful? And they're going to be all to myself. I'm not sharing them with anybody else. He fell asleep. And when he awoke, something was different. He didn't feel the same. He tried to reach up and feel his face. Not my hand. Not my face. Not my body. Eustace realized that he had turned into a dragon. This little brat was filled with fear. I'm lost. I can hear, I can think, but I can't talk. I can't call for help. I'm here. And these jewels weren't going to do him any good. Later, Eustace was found by his companions. And somehow, they realized that this dragon was Eustace. Eustace, the little boy that used to bother them, be mean to them. And they thought, what has happened to Eustace? But all he could do was think, I've been a terrible little boy. I want to be a boy again, and I want to behave like a good little boy should behave. I want to tell everybody how sorry I am for the way I've been acting all these years. By this time, Eustace had crawled out of the cave, of course, and that's how the children had found him. But as he's thinking about his situation, of what's going to happen to him now, he saw something approaching. He saw a large lion approaching him. Now, Aslan is portrayed as a large lion. And I don't know about you, but I don't care what size lion it is coming towards me, I'm not going to be a happy camper. And somehow, though, Eustace realized this was Aslan, even though he had never seen Aslan before. He had only heard stories about Aslan. Aslan and Eustace never spoke to each other. They communicated through direct eye-to-eye contact. And somehow Eustace knew that he was supposed to follow the lion. Aslan led him far up into the mountains into a beautiful garden with a large pool. Eustace wanted to get into that pool but he understood that the lion was telling him, no, don't get into the pool. You have to undress first. How does a dragon undress? Now, if he had been a little boy, it would have been quite simple. Okay, I take off my shirt and my pants and I jump in the pool. But he understood that this lion was indicating that you've got to undress. And Eustace thought, if snakes can shed their skins, maybe dragons can shed their skins too. 
So he started scratching himself. He scratched more and more, and finally, scales started dropping off his body. But after he got those scales off, he realized something. There are more scales underneath. So he went through the whole process again. He clawed and he scratched and he scratched and those scales fell off. And there were more scales. And he repeated the process for a third time. And there were more scales. And then Aslan the lion scratched off the final dragon skin for him. It hurt, but it was wonderful to watch it come off. And then he was smooth, he was soft, and smaller than he had been. Aslan picked him up and threw him into the pool. It smarted for a minute. And then it felt wonderful. All his pain was gone. Once again, he was a little boy. Only this time, he was very contrite very humble. Eustace had been made new. And that's what baptism is. It's an opportunity to make a real change, to scratch off the scales that may have been weighing us down to realize that we're not alone. No amount of bodily armor can save us from ourselves. Only God's mercy, only God's grace. Eustace had that change. Now some of you think, I was baptized as a baby. So how on earth does that scratch off scales? My skin was already smooth. What does that mean? Well, that's what our confirmation vows are for. If you were born into the Methodist Church, you were baptized as a baby. And then later on, when it's time to join the church and you feel you're ready to make that decision, you confirm your baptism, and you take vows. And we went through those vows a couple of weeks ago. Once again, we can realize we're still sinners, but God forgives us. It hurts to admit we have sinned, but it hurts to carry a burden. And when those scales of sin or guilt are scratched away and we realize God's mercy and God's grace flowing upon us, we remember that Jesus was perfect. He was sinless, but he stepped into that river to be baptized because he knew it was God's will. He knew that whatever happened from now on was going to hurt. But it was God's will and God would see him through it. We have shed our old selves. As we continue to confess our sins and our wrongdoings, we continue to be made new. 
We are renewed day by day. We too are beloved children of God. We want to be pleasing to him. God may never speak orally to any of us, but we have eye-to-eye -eye contact, the eye of the soul with God, and we know what he wants for us in our daily lives. So, Becky, if you would, 393. We're going to sing hymn number 393 in the hymnal. Craig, don't worry. It's only one verse, and by the time you find it, bless your heart, we'll be through it. But hymn number 393, and just think about these words. Becky's going to play it through once, and then we're going to sing it. Would you have answered when he called? Eustace answered. Eustace was in a predicament, but he answered. Let's stand and sing together. Would I have answered when he called? In the faith we sing, number 2137.
now join with me in our profession of faith. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will granted to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of our deliverance from sin and death. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, whereby we are kept in perpetual remembrance of the truth of Christ and find strength and help in time of need. We believe that this faith should manifest itself in the service of love as set forth in the example of our blessed Lord, to the end that the kingdom of God may come upon the earth. Amen. And now let us join together in the passing of the peace. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, you give so much to us. And in this sanctuary of your peace, we give back to you a portion of what, what you have given to us. May you bless it to the work of your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious and kind Heavenly Father, we, we're here in your presence this morning to hear your word and to find that direct soul-to-soul -soul contact that is so important to our lives. We come to refresh our love for you, to feel your caring and your protection and your guidance for our lives. As we look around our world today, we see so much conflict and strife. We hear of earthquakes, tornadoes, dust storms, fire, so many situations, a new virus, things that we don't understand. We don't understand why all of this is going on. We hear bickering, but may we be instruments of your peace, not to bicker, not to argue, but to pass the peace of your love to others by our actions, by what we do, and the way we comport ourselves. This morning, Lord, we pray for our pastor. We pray that that his laryngitis will soon be better. And at this time, we lift up others we know who are ill or suffering in any way. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we lift up our world our world leaders and the problems that exist. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we lift up your church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift up the bishop, her cabinet, our district superintendent, officers and churches throughout the conference. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray these things in your name. And we pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, praying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let's stand and sing hymn number 370.
Aslan picked up Eustace and threw him into the pool. We were baptized either by being poured over our heads, sprinkled on our heads, or dumped beneath the water. But no matter what, we were plunged to victory by his healing blood. So go now in the peace that passeth all understanding. And may the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son go with you now and always. Amen. <laughs>